0: Our guest this morning is cybersecurity expert, Matthew Canham. Welcome to the Wednesday Point, Matt. You are CEO and co-founder of IO, a company dedicated to providing cybersecurity training and other security services for small to medium-sized businesses. Let's start out by first learning more about you. Give us some insight into your background.
1: Sure. Well, I uh, actually started out with uh, the FBI uh, in uh, 2009, and prior to that, I had no real knowledge or experience with cybersecurity um, because I came from a background in cognitive neuroscience. So I was really coming at this more from a psychological, behavioral perspective, and um Everything that I learned, I learned you know from the bureau, and when I actually uh, got out into the field what i what I found was that this is really uh, an issue of um, people in technology, not really a technology problem and so um, the first case I ever worked was something called uh, business email compromise, and this is where the fraudsters impersonate uh, somebody in a way to trick uh, the target or the victim into. Um, transferring money, and so, in this case, it was four million dollars that was uh, sent and uh, Unfortunately, that was uh, not a very large business, so a million dollars or excuse me four million dollars was quite a lot for them and um as I progressed through my career, um, what I found was that the vast majority, I mean, like 99% of all the cases had some sort of human element. And in fact, the Verizon data breach uh, investigation report, which just came out uh, two days ago, um, they say that uh, 82% of all of the breaches from 20, let's see, it would be 2021 um Involves some sort of human error, or human element so.
0: wow, so the name of your company is Kansu. What does that mean? Tell us about the significance of that
1: sure uh, Kansu is the name of uh, e- an Egyptian deity, uh, the god of uh, the moon, I believe, and um, Kansu guided travelers in the night. Uh, th- in their travels and so we we thought that was a nice name because we're sort of helping uh, small businesses to navigate the uh, dark fields of cyberspace
0: cyber fraud ransomware wire fraud explain to us what these terms mean and why we should be concerned about them
1: yeah so wire fraud is um sort of a catch-all legal term that refers to fraud that's committed over any sort of uh, electronic medium, really. Uh, So it can actually be radio, in fact. Uh, TV... over email, over anything basically that's transmitted, uh, electronically. Yeah, across state lines, that becomes a federal offense. And so wire fraud is a much more inclusive sort of term. Uh, cyber fraud is sort of more like a, uh, uh, generic. It's not, a, it's not a legal term. And it's much more, uh, restrictive, meaning, uh, it has to do with something to do with cyberspace. And I think that's significant because a lot of fraud actually occurs over the phone and something that we've seen more of in the last five years are what we call multi-channel attacks where there'll be an email that's sent to somebody and then that's followed up say with a phone call or a text message or all of these and as you start to add these different channels email phone etc it sort of lends uh, legitimacy in the mind of the victim ransomware what 's that so ransomware is um, it's a type of malware, so malware is uh, software that's designed to do something malicious and um, ransomware what it does is when it's uh, deployed on a system when it 's downloaded or or opened um, it encrypts uh the data that's on that system so uh what that does is it prevents the da- data owner from being able to access that data because they don't have the encryption key. And the the ransom aspect of this comes in when the victim is forced to pay the criminal uh, for that key in order to unlock that uh, encrypted data.
2: So I wanted to ask you, getting back to the other question about uh, cyber fraud and the fact that people get... You know, an email and then a phone call. How do these criminals get a hold of people's information, personal information like that?
1: Um, social media. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I mean, they must get a whole slew of it, right? Yeah, they don't just attack one person.
1: So this, uh, there are several sort of interlocking cottage industries here. Um, social media is is definitely one of the main aspects or one of the main avenues. However, uh any time that there is a data breach and i i know of at least four that my information has been sold on uh personally but and that's that's pretty much average so we're talking about like you know the yahoo breach the linkedin breach um marriott had a breach uh some years ago and when you look at the numbers of records that are compromised in each of those breaches uh you'll see that uh Pretty much every person in the U.S. has probably been compromised at least three or four times at a minimum. Well, that what happens to that data then is that data is then sold to... Um, dark market data brokers, essentially. And uh, I have to confess, I'm not current on what the prices were. But uh, about two years ago, uh, a stolen credit card, depending on the remaining balance, was going for anywhere between a dollar ten and maybe $10 uh, a card. And, and so that's where this information is coming from.
2: So they would have to get quite a few at the same time to be able to make any money on it. Right?
1: Yeah, but, I mean, if if they compromise a database, I mean, that can hold millions of users. Wow. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned social media. Mm-hmm. Tell us how our information
1: gets stolen off of, say, Facebook. Well, sometimes it's not even stolen. I mean, the great... the. The double-edged sword about social media is that you share everything, but that means that you're sharing everything. And so, one of the things that I've seen um, quite a bit of, well, so there's a term. It's it's called OSINT, it, that stands for open source intelligence, and this is used by you know uh, good actors as well as bad actors, and um, criminals will often create fake profiles and these profiles can look very very good and they will then befriend people and in the process of friending them they will then get access to information that people are freely posting and so i'll give you a, a very um concrete example not involving federal crime um is that we for a period we're seeing uh, home burglars Uh, monitoring um, I can't remember which social media platform it was but there was one of them that had something called a check-in and you could if you were going out to eat or something you could check in and this was very convenient for home burglars because they knew that you weren't home and so then they would go and they would burglarize the house
0: Matt you mentioned that you had actually been hacked four or five times how do we know if we're a victim of cyber fraud and what do we do if we find out that we are a victim
1: well i guess to clarify i said that my data had been breached Uh, so Ah. this had uh, really nothing to do with me personally um so for one example i had a marriott uh, membership and so all the information that i had on that membership would have been compromised when their systems were compromised and so that's um actually to the point it's almost impossible for us as individuals to do anything about that right because we have no control over this and um um, if i can go on a small tangent at uh, a defcon a number of years ago uh senator ron wyden actually brought this up and he said you know if these companies weren't keeping all of this data then this data wouldn't be available to be breached by the bad actors and um, that's something that uh, I I really wish that there was better legislation on Uh, Europe has GDPR Uh, the don't ask me what that stands for right now but (laughs) uh, it basically it uh, I think it's general data protection regulation and it basically protects consumers uh, data and it gives consumers the right to have their data removed from any sort of um, repository that may have it and uh, there are a few states that have enacted similar uh, legislation uh, California has uh, enacted the California Consumer Protection Act, I think it was CCPA, and it's a, a similar type of privacy uh, legislation, but it's it's a little different, not quite as strong.
2: And it's very confusing too, because I spend part of my time in California. When I go down there, they always ask me about who it's okay to share it with, and then when you go to the page to try to make a choice, it's like, wait a minute, which choice am I making? They don't make it very clear. It's it's not. As good as it should be
1: that's one of the services that my company offers is uh, CCPA compliance and yes it is very confusing Matt you were talking about uh, social media earlier
0: how do people get our information off of social media
1: well again by just uh, making that connection and watching what people post what they post about one of the dangers of that is that uh passwords can be actually very difficult to crack uh depending on how uh good people are at setting up their passwords um but assuming that they're that they're using good cyber hygiene and that they're creating strong passwords uh passwords that are long and have you know characters and uh, numbers as well as upper and lowercase letters um it can be very hard to to break those. And so what we've seen is that uh, criminals will sort of uh, pivot and will instead just uh, what we call social engineer. And this is um, something that uh, it's a, it's a basically it's a way to use human behavior against humans. Social engineering is um, basically that's a way to think of it. And what uh, what the criminals will do will actually be to reset the passwords. And so um, if you think about it, if you've ever had to reset a password and I actually, if, if you've never done this, you should go through the exercise just to see what is involved in resetting your password. And uh, one of the techniques is that you're given a series of questions that you need to answer. And um, these questions might be, you know, where did you go to elementary school? What was the name of your First grade teacher, uh, what was your first pet, uh, what town did you grow up on in, etc? And these are often things that people post in social media, and so even these little, uh, seemingly innocuous details can actually have uh, tremendous value to um, criminals.: Wow, scary.
0: So Central Oregon is a very popular location for remote or work-from-home workers. What types of special security concerns do remote workers face and what can be done to protect them?
1: Well, the primary thing is is the router because um, the thing to realize if you're working from home is that most work-from-home employees – um, I, I, shouldn't say most, but m- many use virtual, um, private networks, uh, VPNs. And what a VPN is, is it's essentially an encrypted tunnel between that endpoint, that, that device or whatever that the person is using and the, the online resource that they're accessing. So maybe that's the, the work database or what have you. Um, So again, uh, criminals are always going to go after sort of the weakest link that they can find. And so if they can compromise that home network, then they can get in on that endpoint of the VPN and then tunnel through as if they were that employee. So um, with routers, uh, it's important if you're using wireless that you're using at least WPA2 or higher security, encryption security. And also it's very important that um, the default password on the router is changed because oftentimes, especially on the older routers, um, (laughs) they would just come with uh, sort of a default password uh, that would apply to any of that router, and people could just look up on Google what the default password was. And so then um, criminals could just access that device and change the settings. And then finally, is making sure that the firmware on the router is is updated. Well, we
0: are running out of time. However, I do want to ask you about kids. A lot of kids
1: spend a lot of time online. What can be done to protect them? Well, and I'm I'm actually glad that you brought this up because this is this is an area where um, I've seen a couple of uh, really horrible uh, child exploitation cases, and um, and. It, yeah, there are a lot of bad actors out there, but there are a couple of um uh software um packages that that you can look at. And actually these are things that we have um on our website if uh if you do want to go and find them on the website that uh that will allow uh, kids to or excuse me, uh, parents to monitor uh, online activities, smartphones, and that sort of thing. But I would say that's the most important thing that parents can do is to monitor that activity. I know it can feel invasive, and I'm very privacy conscious. However, um, kids just don't have that awareness uh, that someone who appears to be their friend may not be their friend. And I think this is something that adults might key into much quicker.
0: Without going too deep into the woods, because we don't have time to go too deeply into the woods, if all of this hasn't given, hasn't given us enough to worry about, talk to us about the dangers of geopolitical influences on cybersecurity.
1: <laughs> So this would be an entire other episode. Um, we'll have you back. We have yeah. a minute. I will, I will say just really quickly though, one of my concerns is food security. And here in central Oregon, agriculture is a major, uh, industry. And I've talked to se- uh, several farmers that, uh, use apps on their phones to control center pivot, uh, irrigation systems. Uh, if there's an app on the phone, then that means that there's an attack vector for somebody in, say, Russia, North Korea, or China, whatever, to attack agriculture systems here. And with food scarcity here, that's a real concern for me.
2: You know, as a master gardener, no longer, but at um, Holland's Head, and we did all the irrigation systems. I had an app on my phone for that, and that's that's really frightening. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, Marianne.
1: Where can our listeners go, Matt, for more information? Uh consu.io and consu is spelled k h o n s o o.io. And we also have a YouTube channel.
2: Okay. Uh I'm going to go home and change all my passwords.
0: What about you? I didn't even oh, think yeah. about the router. I'm just going <laughs> to unplug my computer. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Matthew Cannon, for uh, scaring us to death.
2: Yeah, no kidding. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation. To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical dash conversations.